Welcome to the Leadership Trap Podcast, recorded live here in Austin, Texas. In this podcast, we explore the conditions that lead to surviving and thriving in a successful leadership role. We examine the traps that can cause leaders to stumble, bumble, or get ambushed in ways that may or may not be of their own making. I'm Dr. Chris Petrovka, and with David Hewen of Austin WorkNet, we have a conversation with each leader that explores the traps that they have encountered through their leadership journey. Hopefully it brings a new perspective to your role as a leader and helps you navigate your own way through the traps. Thanks for joining us. Let's jump into the trap. David, welcome back to the trap. Oh, hi, Chris. We're both <laughs> still bald as it turns out. That's right. Well, I'm glad to be back. We took Same a little here. break and we had a wonderful guest on again. And I think this his topic was very timely with what's going on in the world. So David, tell us about a little bit about our guest. Yeah, so Greg Ward is uh, the founder and executive director of the uh, Center for Respectful Leadership. He has a new book. I'll talk about it in a moment. Um, So we really were intrigued to talk about him because the heart of his work is in the area of respectful leadership. Let me give you a sense of this guy. He's had four different lives. The first life, he was a professional actor, writer, director, and producer in New York City and London. His second life, he worked as a specialist trainer in the New York City Police Department. And these are varied things. The next thing he did was he served as a freelance journalist on assignment throughout Europe for BBC Radio and other UK media. In fact, he covered the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989. So pretty cool. And now, of course, his current life, he's up to life number four, by the way, is what he's doing now, which is he's a speaker, consultant, facilitator, executive coach on the topics of respect, leadership, emotional intelligence, psychological safety, and uh, cultural transformation. So all these areas are things that resonate for us, of course, in the leadership trap. He's got world-class clients, ADP, Booz Allen, Qualcomm, Kaiser Permanente, U.S. Navy, and others. So he's been found, he's recognized as an expert in this uh, field. I'm not sure, though, David. He's got four lives already. Tell him he's only got five left. Yeah, four are in um, in the trap. I mentioned he's an author. So this is his second book that we're going to talk about. His first one comes in the form of a business fable. It's called The Respectful Leader. It did get a fair amount of press and, and interest uh, in the business realm. And now his current book, which we'll talk about, is Restoring Respect, a how-to guide to supporting the repair of broken work relationships. And this is very timely right now, especially with a lot of the tension, the remote work and returning to work, hybrid work. You see it every day in the papers. And so it's really important, I think, that that we've addressed this topic now and we're learning some of these in-office social skills again and how to engage with others. So it, it is good timing that we've had him on the show. For sure. And, and you know, another reason why I thought this is a guest that matters for our listeners is that the book is actually written as a workbook. So, and I'll just close with a fun fact. He's an umpire in his spare time, Little League umpire. And uh, as many of us know, those of you who are parents uh, in our listening audience, we all know that the children on the field oftentimes tend to behave a bit more respectful than the adults in the stands who tend to behave 
a bit disrespectful <laughs> and uh, sometimes yes. we have to get them in order. It seems to translate well into the leadership realm that we tend yes. to work with. Thus That's the true. I often joke too, it's a little bit like I feel like my role, you know, being in the in this corporate world is like I'm kind of on the playground sometimes, yeah. uh, managing all these relationships. And I just sometimes wish if we just show a little more respect, we would resolve a lot of these issues. So yes, the parents at home will relate to this. For sure. So good discussion with uh, Greg. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Let's bring him into the trap, Greg Ward. All right. We're excited to be here for another edition of the Leadership Trap. Welcome to the show, Greg Ward. We're glad to have you here. Greg. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, Greg, I, uh, I'm pleased to have a chance to talk with you. Uh, There's so many starting points for uh, the term respect. So I want to explore that a bit. Um, and congrats, by the way, on your book. The uh, title is Restoring Respect, a How-To Guide for Supporting the Repair of Broken Work Relationships. So should we assume uh, your use of how-to implies that this is a book that's uh, chock full of handy tips and processes to address broken work relationships? It is, thank you for that question. It's a very much a guide, a step-by-step -step guide to how to sit down with two willing participants and bring them back together after they have fallen out of respect with each other. And we literally give you the checklists of what you need to do, what you need to say. We'll give you the, in the book, it, the words are there. We call it what you can say. And the guidelines and all of the forms that you need. And of course, there's a couple of chapters on the concepts around respect and how important it is to recognize that the neuroscience involved with respect and disrespect and how it's very much a primitive reaction to the way people behave towards us. And also uh, how to how to apologize uh, in, a, in a genuine and appropriate manner. And uh, again, you, you, the book will help you facilitate that entire process. And Greg, you mentioned, you emphasized um, willing. I was about to How jump you, in on that too. Were you, I was like, and I, cause I think that's the, one of the biggest challenge, right? As a practitioner, I deal with this every day and it, you, it seems like you always have somebody who's just unwilling. So tell me a little bit about that and how you identify it. Nine times out of 10 people who fall out of respect with each other aren't necessarily sociopaths or not necessarily doing it deliberately, but one or the other, perhaps even both are somewhat unconscious to their style and how that can be dis perceived as disrespectful to other people. So part of what you're going to have to do is say, hey, uh, you may not be aware of this, but what you said and what you did, others found it to be disrespectful. And it may not be a big issue to you, but you have to understand that it is to them. So if you're willing we have a process that can help you restore your working relationship with them. You'll never come back to liking them and, and thinking they're the bee's knees and going out for drinks with them, but at least you'll be able to function well with them and do your job if you're willing, if, if you want to repair the relationship. And I have found that if you present it to them in a way that they're not going to be blamed and shamed and, and for it to be publicly executed and all that kind of stuff, most people, once you help them understand of how their behavior 
was perceived to be disrespectful, they are willing to give this a shot. And you have to be careful with them, just as you have to be careful with the person who is aggrieved, who feels disrespected. But at the end of the day, I have found that most people are fairly decent and caring. They're, many of them are unconscious, and you have to bring them to consciousness and then move them along gently uh, in the direction of reciprocity, getting back together. Let's start, if we could, with some definitions, uh, because I got a little bit hung up in my mind for a moment about uh, how to define respect in the workplace versus trust in the workplace. Can you give definitions and distinctions on those two terms? You know, when we first started doing the research, I actually thought that respect and trust went hand in hand. You know, they absolutely the chicken and the egg kind of thing. But I started to look into common daily interactions, and especially when you first meet a coworker, if you treat them in a way that they consider respectful, that's going to pave the way, grease the skids, choose your metaphor, towards a a beginning of a trust relationship. And generally speaking, trust is built up over time. And uh, it, it takes it, it takes uh, you showing that you're competent and reliable, you're concerned for the other person's best interests, and you're open and honest about what's going on. That that takes a little time, but if you start or lead with respect, then you're much more likely to get to trust fairly quickly. But if you start with disrespect, or even if you're you don't realize that you're being perceived as disrespectful, trust is going to be that much harder to build. So they are closely related. There's no question. But respect, I believe, comes first and followed quickly by trust. Yeah, I I would agree with you from my own research, research and trust and my experience with observing it is that there may be a little bit of respect in there for somebody's competency. For somebody's background, like, oh, well, I respect you because you're very skilled at what you do, right? There's that element of it, but that's not really yes. trust, right? That no, comes from it, like, it's getting not, to know someone. It, it does take time. And uh, usually we will really come to trust someone when they go the extra mile for us or, yeah. or they put themselves out. They're willing to subsume their needs and, and, and interests to ours. And, and maybe even take a hit for us, uh, trust comes pretty fast. Or at least partner with us on a project to the point where we can rely on them and rely on their competency, and they they do what they say they're going to do. That, it, as you said, uh, Chris, it, yep. it takes time. Yep. So could we possibly frame this as individuals over time display um, behaviors that are respectful uh, of an individual and that possibly that individual starts to have this instilled value or sense of trust of that individual. Am I taking too much of a leap or does that get close to uh, where you make those distinctions? Well, you've got me thinking. Uh, I would say that Part of being respectful is being intentional about it. And so you're going to have to turn on your emotional intelligence switch 
if if you're going to be respectful, you have to know or at least sense how the other person's going to respond to the behaviors, the respectful behaviors that you believe you should be engaging in. And so we like to think of it as the platinum rule. You, I think we're all familiar with the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, the platinum rule is do unto others as they would have you do unto them. And the only way you can do that is turn on your emotional intelligence switch and be aware. Now, in, in some organizations, such as the military or paramilitary, police and fire departments, it's very clear you, you kind of salute the badge, you salute the rank, and, and you're supposed to behave respectfully. But I can tell you, I've talked to many people, former active duty military, who, who said, oh, I obeyed my CO's orders, but I had no respect for him whatsoever. And, but in, 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 a, in an organization that's not the military, it, it, it's much more important that we follow the kind of civil uh, protocols that make sure people know that we are trying, we're making the effort to behave in a respectful manner. And because our cultures, our organizations are now so divor- so diverse, we cannot always assume that everybody wants to be treated the way we want to be treated. We've got to assume that others want, might want to be treated differently from us, and we need to adapt. And that's where the platinum rule comes in. Was there a moment for you that triggered this interest in dis- being disrespectful and, and fixing it? Because I feel like for all of our interests, there's a something. Well, what triggered it? Absolutely, there was. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> the, the truth is, when I was a young man, I had what my mother called a mouth on me. And <laughs> uh, basically, I... Uh, I wasn't a physical fighter, but boy, I could uh, lay into folks. And I had a few run-ins with police officers. And I certainly was not respectful. And they weren't particularly respectful with me. And so, oddly enough, after I got out of college, I found myself in the middle of developing a training program for police officers. And I've learned firsthand what it was like to be a cop and how you were treated with disrespect constantly. And you really had to swallow it. You really had to let it roll off your shoulders. And suddenly I was walking in their shoes and I suddenly realized, you know, respect is actually really important. And and then as I, as, as I, I grew up and I became an adult and I started working as a coach and as a trainer and as a facilitator, I realized that if I didn't behave respectfully, I wasn't going to be respected in return. It just wasn't going to come. So I realized that respect is is a is a good way to to move things forward. And and so it. it but it, I, I must admit it was it was kind of a cold slap in the face when I finally learned what it was like to be a cop. I realized how important respect is in in all of our relationships. And does respect always have to be earned? And I'm going somewhere with this. I've got to follow up to it. Yes, it does, but not by whom you think it should be. Our research tells us if that if you're in a position of authority and you demand or insist that you be respected based solely upon your authority, your rank, your the fact that you're the boss. Most people will turn around, they might obey you, but they certainly won't respect you. Hmm. 
Instead, what our research tells us is that if you are in a position of authority and you respect first, you reach out with respect first, it will be reciprocated and, and genuinely. And so who has to do the earning of the respect? It's actually the leader has to earn the respect of those they lead. And it's kind of our signature, what we're trying to say to folks is, if you're a leader in any organization, it's your job to first treat people with respect. Gone are the old days where you had to pay your dues, put up with all sorts of crap and be disrespected. And you just had to keep your head down, do your job and hope that you would get promoted. Those days are long gone. And so what we're trying to say now, if you're a leader, you want to re retain your best and brightest. You want to motivate those people, even in the toughest of times. Treat them with respect, and nine times out of ten, it'll come right back at you, and it'll be a really solid relationship. Well, you may be headed in the same direction, Greg, as where I was going to play a bit with this, and and it's along the lines of an anecdote, which, Chris, hopefully I haven't done this more than once or even once in our prior shows, but uh, early in my career, there was a crusty CFO who said to me, you know what, Hewan? The thing about you, HR dweebs, is that when you have a new relationship, you immediately treat that person with respect and trust. And us finance pros don't start there. They have to earn their way into our trust and respect. And I thought he was just being silly at the time and using an opportunity to diminish my profession and maybe me individually. But since then, 30 years later and over time, and every time I now run uh, a leadership training program, whenever I think about it, I'll pose the question to the attendees to say, when you meet someone new, do you initially start with an assumption of uh, respect, trust, capability, or do you start with the view that this person may not be capable. And so they're going to have to earn their way into my trust and respect. And oftentimes, if I ask for a show of hands saying, listen, I'm not basing this on any science, behavioral science that I've tracked down. This is anecdotal and I'll share the anecdote and usually it gets a bit of a chuckle. But it leads to kind of an interesting discussion, at least in those circumstances. It may not lead to anything here, but I just thought I'd throw that out there and see if there's anything to that notion of how we enter into a new relationship, especially at work. What's your thing? I think there was a time where that was a that was kind of the way it was. Which way? I, I really do. The way it was was you assumed somebody needed to earn your respect. If you were if you were already in a position of authority, somebody somebody new, somebody junior had to earn your respect, prove to you that they were worthy of this job. Well, my millennial children would tell you to pound sand if that was your your attitude. They would say, I'm highly educated. I know what I'm talking about. I, I know there's no loyalty anymore. That's gone. So if you don't treat me with respect, goodbye, I'm out of here. And I wouldn't blame them in the least. My, my millennial kids are not entitled. They're extremely hard workers, but they will brook no disrespect at all because we are in a non-unemployment market for, for those kind of folks. They can get a job anywhere, anytime. So they're not going to put up with it. And I don't blame them. And why should they? Why should we have to go through? Why should I have to prove to you that I'm competent, that I'm somebody who who uh, has to earn your respect? 
who the hell do you think you are is kind of what my attitude is okay I, but, I think i've triggered something yeah. here yeah you definitely have i love it yeah there there is a bit of that i think too what i've seen in the workplace is that there's a balance between the you you show up and you have to show people you can execute the the role that you were hired for what you're doing right right and in that process though you expect to be respected during that journey and when you get yes. disrespected you get challenged that that to me is a power move and yes. so how how do you address some of that when you when you know it's a power move i think david's example is a good one i i don't see it to that extreme as often well, I see a little more subtlety start to play out. And so I maybe mean, you probably talk about this in some of your your uh, your training sessions and your programs, but I'd be curious to know, how do you address some of that when you see it? Well, one of the first things we try to teach new leaders is don't try to stop disrespect with more disrespect. So mm -hmm. if a leader comes at you with disrespect, do your utmost to behave respectfully, even though they are not. And, and perhaps they might pick up on that, that you're not going to take the bait. And and I, that's not easy to do. You know, someone cuts me off on the freeway. The next thing I want to do is yeah. bump on the pedal and go after them and cut them off myself. Um, but being that there's a lot of guns out there in the world, I, yeah. I tend not to Texas, do that anymore. That's dangerous. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Even here in California, it's, it's something to to worry about. So at the end of the day, I, I try to teach leaders, no matter how disrespectful others are being, do your utmost to, to be respectful regardless. And someone will notice. Someone will see that. And hopefully you're not walking into a snake pit where, where the culture is disrespectful. Quite frankly, if you are, if you're new in an organization, you're looking around and everybody's behaving disrespectfully, do you really want to be there? I don't not in today's economy, not not in today's job market. No, I, I I don't think it's worth it. In your practice, since you've developed a real um, keen sensibility to this, do you ever conduct respect audits for your client companies? It, that's a great question, David. Thank you. We're in the process of developing a, a, a survey, if you will. And part of the challenge is there's actually three different types of respect. Uh, one is called informational respect, which is fascinating uh, because most of us, when we think of this term respect, we think interpersonal respect, treating people with genuine courtesy and civility. But there's something called informational respect where you and I as employees, we want enough information from our leadership so that we can do our job effectively. There's nothing worse than being told to, to accomplish a job, but you have no idea. There's so many th different uh, uh, pieces of information that are missing. That, so informational respect is very, very important to most employees. The second type is called procedural or distributive re respect. And that's essentially where people are, are perceived fairness and pay in policies and procedures, disciplinary actions, and so on and so forth. It's perceived that if you have a certain level of expertise and, and credentials and seniority, that in fact, uh, you can uh, uh, be treated and paid at the same level as another person. And so there's been a lot of data out there about, for example, women are generally paid less for the same job and so on. So if your organization like Salesforce, you may have heard a number of years ago, they actually 
did a massive comp analysis and realized that most of the women were being paid less. They spent a lot of money to bring everybody up. And that was a, a big effort. And, and what it did was it boosted it, the morale within the organization. It was very, very powerful and, and, and a great move for the CEO to make. And then, of course, there's the third type of respect, which is interpersonal respect, which is what we think about most of the time when we think respect. So a survey, a survey that touches all three of those areas, that's kind of, that's exhaustive. So we, we're starting with the one that most people think about interpersonal. So we're creating an interpersonal survey and eventually we will do an across the organization informational and procedural survey, if that makes sense. I love that. Yeah, it's much more holistic. And I think it is part of a system yeah. that creates that disrespect. Uh, I often yes. talk to some of my colleagues that will talk about, I came from such and such company and they start describing the culture. And I kind of go as what you're describing, like, oh, that's a disrespectful culture, almost like it's rewarded. Like that's part of the process. So that, yes. that's a great idea yes. to do that audit. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I think it's terrific. Yeah, and it sounds like there's the potential for selective respect, just playing with that for a moment, where there may be respect for the familiar, right? Companies that hire familiar that's backgrounds true. and people who they're more comfortable with and it almost implies I'm going to have the greater likelihood of respecting this person because we have similar views of the world. Um, yes. Yeah. That's, that, it's almost instilled. I think what Chris was noting earlier is that mm -hmm. that's how um, it it shows up. The notion that like hires like. Yes. So I was just talking with a client today and he was saying to me, I've now been elevated in the senior level position. I've got 200 people reporting to me. I used to have 20. And basically, I hired everybody like me. And now I have this incredibly diverse team. And I need your help, Greg, because I'm these people are different. They're younger. Some of them are from other countries. I, I'm just not used to this. And coach me on it. Help me uh, survive in this. And and so he was really asking for that help. And you make a really good point. Yeah. I, I do find though, a lot of people are kind of aloof to being disrespectful to your, right. They, 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 they do it. Cause maybe that's, that's our upbringing. That's how their family interacts Correct. and they're aloof yeah. to that. So um, how can leaders maybe, especially very early in their career, how do they recognize some of those signs that they're, they're suffering from this like disrespectful itis? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, can I can I borrow that steal it. Yeah, with attribution, of course? Uh, uh, Disrespectfulitis. Yeah, a... <laughs> yeah. Well, we have a we have a phrase. One of our clients has a, a very bad case of interruptitis. They have a culture <laughs> where the moment you pause or say um, Ooh. somebody jumps in and, and interrupts you. And it's really uh considered very disrespectful, but it's all the way up and down the chain. And the more senior you go, the more they interrupt you. So it's really challenging. But what we try to we have a workshop, uh, it's a two-day workshop, and the first day is all about self-awareness. And and it's really important that people develop their emotional intelligence, at least being able to read the room. And not just always uh, behave as you've always done. And 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 we talk a lot about also the, the data because I, I I work with a lot of folks who are highly trained, highly educated subject matter subject matter experts. And emotional intelligence was not on curriculum 
when they went to college. It just wasn't there. It wasn't There was no leadership training, none of that. It was all just focus on your, your expertise. And then they get elevated into a leadership role and they're lost. And they just, and they, so they, they refer to, as you said, the old leadership styles, command and control, do as I say, because I'm your boss. And we all grew up with it. I mean, I always ask the question, how many of you had a parent who said, do as I say, because I'm your mother? That's command and control leadership right there. It's the most common form. We grew up with it. So, of course, we're going to do it in the absence of any training. That's what we're going to do when we get into a leadership role. The other is carrot and stick. I'm sure you're familiar with that as well. Do as I say, achieve the goal, you'll get rewarded. But if you don't, you get punished. And again, most people find both those leadership styles to be somewhat disrespectful, so it's it's imperative that we educate folks early on on how their behaviors are perceived by most reasonable, normal, so-called normal on the continuum of normalcy people. And it, once they get a greater awareness of their own behavior, then we can talk about adapting to the behaviors of others, uh, addressing inappropriate behavior, disrespectful behavior, giving feedback in a way people can hear it without becoming defensive and so on and so forth. But first, you're absolutely right. Self-awareness comes first and then the tools and techniques for interaction with others. Yeah, it's one of those skills where you kind of wish we would teach younger leaders as they get started because once they it gets once they get in this motion, it's hard to stop that locomotion. I was thinking about this the other day that I would love to if I had the bandwidth to write a book about respect for children. And mm-hmm. and not unfortunately, well not unfortunately, but that's an inappropriate word, but the the term respect has been co-opted in a way by religious organizations and 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 there's a kind there's rules around it and that's not the book I would want to write I, I would want to write a book where people di- it didn't come from a religious or point of view it was more about social interaction how how you can get along with others and do it at a level, I don't know what age, maybe six or seven years, uh, uh, sixth grade, seventh grade, something like that, where they could be introduced to these concepts and not and not just uh, from that narrow mm-hmm. viewpoint of religious instruction, if you yeah. will. Yeah, you could write it from the viewpoint of the uh, Little League umpire. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Um, right that's perfect you're right the voice of the little league umpire i think that would be i think they would love it i like it it. yeah it's it's the kids the kids are great it's the adults who have (laughs) problems with respect for the umpire that's right Um, oh yeah well we're at that point in our show where we're going to do the moral dilemma so our our listeners uh, love this segment and so uh i'll hand it over to david to uh, challenge you with the uh moral dilemma Thanks, Chris. So here's the challenge, Greg. We talked a bit about this dynamic earlier, and it has to do with, um, well, let me just tell you the dilemma, and you can come to your own conclusions. So you've been brought in to advise a company as a result of a CEO of another company knowing the CEO of this uh, new company opportunity. And this uh, CEO who you already know, you love him. He's one of your top clients. Uh, you respect him. He respects you. And he says, Greg, I want to get you in this other company. I know they have expressed an interest in having a culture of respect. 
So you're introduced in, your first meeting is with the CEO and the executive team. So that's your first entree into this company. And in the course of meeting with the CEO and the executive team, they've made it clear, the CEO especially said, yeah, we want to have a culture of respect. So we want you to train up all of our managers and our employees to have that culture of respect. Uh, and you notice over the course of this, there's a bit of a bro culture happening among the executive team. They all happen to be white, of a similar age, um, similar interests. They talk easily about, you know, having all golf together over the weekend. Um, and they haven't mentioned that the executive team would be going through this uh, culture of respect training that they have an interest in. So that's your starting point. Um, where do you go with this dilemma of you love the CEO who brought you in, uh, you want to do good work? Um, any moral dilemmas that you're seeing here based on the way this has started out? Yes. Oh, it's a it's a wonderful moral dilemma. And I've actually lived this moral dilemma quite a few times. In fact, it just happened to me last week. The bottom line is this, if that's what they said to me, and this has been, they've always said, oh, we already know about that respective stuff. We, the leadership team, we don't need that. Uh, we don't have time for that. But you really need to train our managers. And Gosh, my Chris, response is- How many times uh, have we seen this? <laughs> yes, we know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 so common. It's it's almost laughable. Mm -hmm. And my response is, well, no, actually, we need to get you all on the same page before we go to everybody else. And if that doesn't work for you, it sounds like this is not the right time for me to be here. But, you know, let me know when you're thinking about you might have some time, maybe an offsite in the fall or maybe later on. I'll be happy to come and talk to all of you. We'll we'll do the program and, and get you all uh, topped up on respect. And then we'll roll out to the rest of the organization. I don't want to hear that, but I don't care. I'm too old. Yeah. I don't care anymore. I'll turn them down. And. The other thing that happened last week, if I may say, I I noticed pretty quickly on, because this is my job, the style of this new CEO that I was talking with, he appreciates the very much the directness. And I said, I got to tell you, I think the problem is not your middle managers. I think the problem is you. And he he kind of bristled. And I said, look, I, I sense that you 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 don't mind be hearing it direct. So I'm I'm happy to work with you, but until you get an understanding of what respect really is and, and how it and how disrespect is so costly in your organization, I cannot help you. I cannot help this organization until we get you aligned with what's really going on. And there was a long pause, a long, long pause. And he said, okay, all right, let's Let's go down that path, and uh, uh, my head of HR here will schedule time for you to work with me. Thank you for that. So, You've earned my respect with that uh, response. Yes, uh, thank you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe when I was younger, I might have might have tried to figure out a way to go ahead, but uh, I don't have to do that anymore. And uh, I, I think this is the best way to go. What I've found, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, so you might might need to do some coaching with me here in the in the real in the real moment, is that sometimes when I bump into that personally, um, some of that disrespectfulness there, I think sometimes you earn a little respect by punching back a little bit and yeah. kind of holding yes. your ground. 
And I've teach my employees yeah. that a little bit. So I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that, that strategy has worked for me. It depends. It depends. If you've got someone who's so invested in their authority and in their position and, and in being perceived in as a position of, uh, of someone in a position of authority, authority, and you punch back in public, Oh, we'll betide you. You're in trouble because they're going to come after you and make your life miserable. But if you can punch back in private, they might actually respect you for it. Yeah, I found that. Is there? Yeah. Is there a bit of like um, sort of what? What are some of the verbal jujitsu techniques that that you teach when you're in caught up in that moment? What What, what advice? Would oh you give yeah. Those? Go ahead and tell people who are upset that you can tell they're upset. I totally get this is upsetting right now. I totally get you're frustrated. I I can feel your frustration. We call it using the hear technique. Uh, hear the emotion in their voice and in their body and acknowledge it. And then use what we call respectful remarks. That's the R part about it. Tell them what you respect them for. You know, Christopher, I know you're very frustrated right now. I have enormous respect for your knowledge and and your understanding of this situation. And I don't think anyone wants to upset anyone here. I don't think you mean to upset people. I think you just want to solve problems. I totally get that about you. And and I'm here to be of support to you. So how can we work this out and make it better? I mean, that's the kind of verbal jujitsu, but definitely acknowledge the emotions Tell people what you respect them for, give them the benefit of the doubt that they're not trying to blow things up, and then say, I'm here to work with you. How can I help? Nine times out of 10, that, that will get the person to calm down and move in the direction of solving things rather than fighting with you. Maybe this applies, possibly not. The notion of full apology, that term is introduced in your book. When and how does full apology apply? Nine times out of 10. During the process of facilitating these two people to come back together, they will, both parties will own how they had been disrespectful. Very typically, even if the reason you're there is because one person had been openly disrespectful to another, it's very likely that that other person may have been a little disrespectful back because that's how human beings are. So no one is purely clean. Uh, uh, it does happen on occasion that that the person who is aggrieved had done nothing disrespectful at all. But often there's been little things that led up to the big thing that necessitated the calling in of the expert. And th once you get them to own their behavior, most people will say, oh boy, I think I need to apologize for that. And then I say, great, we've got a process for doing that. And we call it the full apology. And the essence of that apology, you've got to be sincere. You've got to be genuine. You have to be willing to own what you did and apologize for it and, and make sure they know that you know how what you did hurt them in some way. And secondly, uh, you've got to be able to not make any excuses whatsoever. You can never use what we call a weasel word, such as, uh, I'm sorry if you were offended, or I, I'm sorry you felt offended. No, you say, 
What I did was offensive. What I did was disrespectful. I know it hurt you. It's not going to happen again. I apologize, and I'd like to make it up to you. You do that sincerely and genuinely. Most people, here's what the research tells us. If you're a manager or a leader and you apologize genuinely for your disrespect, respect for you will actually go up. It's when you deny it, you belittle it, you don't think it's not such a big deal. That's when respect for you goes down. So it's it's fascinating. When you do the full apology, nine times out of 10, people will have more respect for you. Totally agree. People are savvy more than we give them credit for at times. They'll pick up on inauthentic, inauthentic behaviors. So final question for me anyway is, can you recruit for... Um, respectful behaviors. Can you find your way into candidates to determine whether they're going to operate with a, uh, a respectful nature? What's the silver wow. bullet question? Yes, please. That is a, yeah, that is a silver bullet question. That is a great question. I think that you have to be on the lookout the moment you meet a candidate. You've got to see if they are going to behave in a way that lets you know that they are at least trying to behave respectfully in a way that is expected in your culture. I'll never forget walking into Intel, the headquarters of Intel in the Bay Area, uh, back when I was first starting out, I think it was about 15, 20 years ago, and I had a full suit on. I was wearing a suit. That, and, and literally my client had met me in the lobby and she said to me, you're going to be wearing that suit, meeting w- with our teams? And I said, yeah, is there a problem? She said, do you have a, like a T-shirt and jeans and maybe some vans back at the hotel? I said, yeah. <laughs> she said, go, go. I'll make excuses for get the hell out of that suit because no one will respect you. I made a complete error. Wow. I just assumed I should walk in in the suit and tie. So I I think these days, candidates need to do their research and do their utmost to to be respectful from the very get-go. What's the old saying? If you go out on a date with someone and and you watch how they treat the wait staff, that'll tell you whether this is somebody you want to date. I would say you watch them when they interact with the security staff. You watch them when they interact with whoever's escorting them into the meeting. That'll give you a good sense of whether or not there's somebody you want to hire. Yep, I can think of several candidates we have not we have passed on because of exactly how they treated the receptionist when they came in, for sure. Yep. And we actually yep. tell our receptionists, yep. you're part of the interview process. So they know that. That's smart. Yep. Yeah. Very so smart. Greg, Very Greg, smart. We're at our time. And so um actually we, we never get to all the questions that we tell you that we're we're gonna try to get to because the time just flies by. But we really appreciate meeting with you. This is incredibly insightful for us. Yeah. And uh, really enjoy the conversation. Wish I could have gotten to more questions, but you are into a relevant space with your work, Greg. And um, uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed Can We Know You a bit. So folks can find you how? They can go to respectfulleadership.org. That's our website. A lot of information there. And if they're interested, I hope you don't mind me saying, if they're interested in the new book, just go to restoringrespect.com. And they can get it there. Oh, excuse me. Restoringrespectbook.com. I have to remember that. Ah, Restoringrespectbook.com. Yes. Why did you make that correction? Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. 
Good. Well, thanks All for right. coming on the show, Greg. We appreciate your time. This is one of the best podcasts I've ever been on. So thank you. Very thank kind. You. Well, you can tell we're genuinely interested in this. So keep up the good work. Thank you. And you too. All right. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye thanks, now. Greg. Thanks for listening. Do you know a leader who could benefit from hearing about the leadership trap? Well, we hope you will share this podcast with them. And remember, give the podcast a five-star rating. Every rating helps us reach more leaders. You can find us at theleadershiptrap.org. Okay, we'll see you next time. And until then, stay out of those traps. Traps.